Please remain standing and pray with me and for me. Father, we are thankful we gather on the day, the Lord's day, the day you have made. Celebrate the great work of salvation. To celebrate Jesus. To bring to you all that this week has handed us and offer it to you as an offering of praise and thanksgiving. Lord, as we look into your scriptures and at the preaching of your word, come and anoint me, your humble servant. Fill my mouth with your words and my thoughts with your thoughts. For what I have to offer is just kind of feeble and filthy rags, as the scripture says. But come and make it beautiful and inspire us to be more like Jesus. In your name we pray, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I'm sure you have heard of Murphy's Law. Well, he has more than one law, come to find out. There's a couple, then the most famous one is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. The second one is the thing that will go wrong is the thing that will cause the most damage. And if everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. Sometimes that's life. And uh, as a young boy uh, at home, I had a poster that I thought was very hilarious. It's, you know it's going to be a rough day when you wake up face down on the pavement. You know it's going to be a rough day when your twin forgets your birthday. <laughs> you know it's going to be a rough day when it costs more to fill your gas tank than the car is worth. That is soon approaching. You know it's going to be a rough day when the bird singing out your window, outside your window, is a vulture. <laughs> we all have rough days. It's part of life. Challenging times, and in our reading from Second Thessalonians, Paul pretty much says, guys, it's going to be a rough time ahead. The first part of that chapter, he's telling them that there's a man of lawlessness coming, there's deception, there's wickedness, all these things are coming. But he says in verse 13, but I, I'm happy about you. We should always give thanks for you. He says, even though these things are happening, God is still at work. Because our life as Christians, it's a unique, divine, and human experience, endeavor. We're not alone in the struggle. The struggle is real. But we're not alone. God has done his part. He has called us and chose us, as Paul said here, for salvation. So however we feel, whatever our situation looks like, God is unfolding his salvation. God doesn't just save us and leave us. He's in the process of sanctifying us by the Holy Spirit. As the old song goes, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And I'm glad that God doesn't just leave us alone. And Paul reminds the church and us that the goal line is worth reaching. 
to obtain, to receive the glory of Christ. No matter how hard the struggle of life may get, the goal is worth it. That's what David said in the psalm. You can have everything this world has to offer. I will only be satisfied when I awaken his likeness. God has invested into us. The Archbishop of Manila was very fond of saying in a very real way, God is bankrupt. And everybody's eyes went, what? Because 2,000 years ago, he went all in like a good poker player and gave it all in Jesus to us. He's done his part. So what is our part in this divine human endeavor? Paul sums it up in two words. Stand firm. Stand firm. Or in the football coach edition of the Bible, suck it up, buttercup. Because in our world, and it's nothing new, there's a very dark, sinister force at work. A Christ-denying spirit. First John, John wrote, that spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard it was coming. Well, here it is, sooner than we thought. Those people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language and the world eats it up. There's an onslaught to make Christianity irrelevant, ludicrous, unnecessary, and untrustworthy. You can talk about anything else in the world you want. You can talk about prayer. Oh, that's great. You can talk about meditation. Oh, that's great. You can talk about spirituality. That's great. Drop Jesus in there. Whoa. I don't really want to hear about that. And that's why Paul says to stand firm. Jude wrote to the church and said, contend earnestly for the faith. That word in Greek means straining every nerve. Wrestling. In the words of a very little known apologist, Tom Petty, I quote, <laughs> you know I've got to get a music reference in there. Now I'll stand my ground. I won't be turned around. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. I'm going to stand my ground. And I won't back down. And as the song rings in my head, I need to focus. We have to have what uh, my grandfather would used to say is a bulldog mentality, not letting go. Because life is hard. I, the, the attack on Christian faith is hard. And growing up in the church, it gets hard. And I grew up in a very charismatic home, and I always heard the phrase that Satan is under our feet. So there was one time in my life it was getting really hard, and I was is struggling with multiple things, and I finally had enough. So I took my shoe off, and I wrote on the bottom of my shoe, is that all you got? <laughs> we have to be tough. 
contend earnestly for the faith, standing firm, because it, in our world it's more acceptable not to be really dedicated to Jesus than it is to be dedicated to Jesus. So how do we stand firm? Well, Paul tells us, have a firm grip on apostolic teachings. Hold fast to these traditions. And our scriptures work. The Bible works. And we don't just read it to get information, but we read it for formation, to form us, to form our spirit life, to form our thought life, to form how we view things in this world. And what do the apostles teach us? teaches Jesus. He changed everything. We see it every Sunday when we gather. When we come into the church, well not you but us, when we come into the church representing you, what's in front? The cross. When we go out representing you, what's in front? The cross. Why am I over here off to the side? Because nobody wants to see me. I know. I understand that. But there's a very real reason. Because Jesus is the center. The cross, the work, is the center. And that's what the apostles teach us. That's what scriptures teach us. Everything moves around Jesus. It tells us that our life is to be a cross-bearing life. That's what David said in the psalm. I'm not satisfied with this world because I am not of this world. Old Petra had a song that we are aliens. And we are. When we've been baptized and, and, and we've committed ourselves to Christ, we're different. We are different. We may not look different. Hopefully we don't smell different. But we're different. We are living for a higher call, a higher motive, not to live for self, but to realize that all that I am is to be gifted to others. Not that we don't think of ourselves, but we never think of ourselves with selfish motivation. So we can go relax. We can go enjoy. We can go have a good time. But for what reason? So that I can be more refreshed to give myself away. Hold fast to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, the scriptures today and Paul reminds us that we should have a clear view of eternity and time. David was looking forward. Job, we're going to read that later, was looking forward. Jesus was like, guys, you've got it all wrong. Eternity is what counts. Don't get hung up on the little details. Because if we don't look at now with eternity in mind, it's very dangerous. It's dangerous to think only of now. Because it'll get us in a lot of trouble. Because instant gratification is not gratifying. Simple. I'm going to the grocery store at the checkout line. There's the king size zero bar. Everybody know a zero bar? If you, have, if you don't know a zero bar, you need to go find one because it's the greatest candy bar in the history of candy bars. <laughs> Nougat, caramel, white chocolate, amazingness. 
Now that king size zero bar is staring at me. And it is beckoning me. But do I really need the almost 500 calories extra? You decide. (laughs) (laughs) So instant gratification is not gratifying. That's why we have to have a clear view of eternity in mind. And when in the heat of the struggle, it seems like it's lasting forever. But it doesn't. It's only a vapor. It comes it goes. We have to keep eternity in mind. Not just now, but eternity. And we have to have a good understanding of time. Because our life is time. But in our time on this earth, we all go through the Christian life cycle. You didn't know you had a Christian life cycle, did you? Well, the Greek church calls it theosis. Sounds very good. Means becoming like God, the process of becoming like God. And that's what this is all about. That's what Paul is saying. You've been chosen for salvation, sanctification, and ultimately the glory of Christ. But how does this life cycle work? We see, Again, we see it every Sunday on that table. Four words. He takes takes us, he breaks, he blesses, he gives. Takes, blesses, breaks, gives. That's how God works in our life. He takes us. He has accepted us. He claims us as his own. One of my favorite parts in baptism is when you put the cross on their forehead and say, you are marked as Christ's own forever. But he also takes us to different places, different people, different stations in line. If you're like me, your life is a lot like a Paul McCartney song, a long and winding road. I mean, full of twists and turns. But in each place, God was doing something. Most of the time, I didn't realize it till after I left. Because I'm not the smartest guy in the building. But he takes us. He blesses us. He provides for us. He places his love on us. He enables us. He he is present with us. He's reconciled us. And he blesses us with material things too. We all like that part, don't we? If he could just stop right there, what a great life cycle it would be. He takes me and he blesses me over and over again. But the the next part is crucial. He breaks us. He breaks our sin. He breaks our attitudes, our pride, our harmful habits, unhealthy patterns of living. He breaks us and he makes us broken. Because we're all like a bunch of wild horses. What do cowboys do to wild horses? They break them. Not in the sense of they snap them in half. 
but they break them to know the control of the master. All that potential and power in that wild horse gets channeled when they learn to submit to the master. And that's what the breaking is for us because we are so full of potential and power, but we have to learn the control of the master, to submit to him. He breaks us, and out of that inflexibility, he breathes new life into us. After all, there can't be any bread or wine without crushing first. It's kind of hard to have a whole grape. It's not going to ever be wine. can't make bread with a whole grain of wheat. It's got to be crushed. The breaking open of our lives so we can be used by God. So don't fear the breaking. Because it is in the breaking that we are able to be a blessing to others. Because what happens next? He gives. He gives us back. He offers us to the world to be used by the Spirit for the service of others. The breaking prepares us to be the gift of Christ's presence to the world. My theology professor in Oklahoma City was a crazy guy. He was monotone to the max. And he always... He said this over and over again to us young buck theological students. They're going to change the world. You will never be any good in Christ's service until you've been crucified quite a few times. The breaking. The giving. And what you are going through, it's not just for you. It's for somebody else down the road. I cannot tell you how many times I have talked with people. And they're sharing with me all the stuff they're going through. And I'll go, buddy, I got you. I've been on that road. I bought the souvenir t-shirt because I camped out there for a while. I know what it is. And what we're going through makes the kingdom of God tangible on the earth now. In someone's life. First Peter said this, and this is from the message because it's the message. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. That is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. I love that image. Glory just around the corner. The struggle is real. God is more real. The pain hurts. The glory is greater. 
We just have to hang on and stand firm with a tight grip on the truth and a clear view of eternity and what God is doing in our time on this earth in our life. As Paul closed our reading this morning, so I close. May the Lord direct all our hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.